Uh, well, good morning, everyone. My name is Graham, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Reach. Um, this morning, as you will know, we've just finished term two. Can you believe it? So for those of you who are parents or teachers amongst us, you will know that we're kind of in a little bit of a holiday season. And holidays are great. They offer us a bit of a break from routine, a chance to sort of rest and recover and maybe slow down a bit. Uh, a break from making school lunches, amen to that, any parents can relate. Um, but also for me, when, when there's a holiday, I like to slow down and particularly catch up on some reading. You know, there's a couple of books that I have my eye on that I want to read. But also, when we slow down, it's not a chance to just drop everything, but it is a moment to actually rest in God. And one of the ways that Christians rest in God is through Prayer. Now, it's been said that prayer to a Christian is like fish to water. You just can't separate the, true, the, the two, right? That if you are a believer and a follower of Christ, you will pray. But if we're honest, there's, uh, there's problems with prayer, right? Prayer is a struggle. Uh, often we look for methods in prayer and we try them for a while and then they wear us out. So what we want to do over the next three weeks is look at what we're calling the practicing the principles of prayer. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at this as a prayer. And today we're not going to go into the actual details, but we are going to look at some of the principles in and behind this prayer. Um, so recently I was watching a show on what is the difference between animals and people. And this was a few years ago. And on the show, they had the panels, they had some biologists, they had some philosophers, and they were asking the question, what's the difference? And some said, well, biologically, uh, we're very different. And actually, the biologist stuck up his and said, no, we're not actually as different as you think. We're actually quite similar. For example, did you know that you can use a, a valve of, from a pig's heart in a human? So there might be some of us who have the valve of a pig in our heart, and that works. Uh, then others said, well, it's because people use tools, and animals don't use tools. And they said, well, actually, they do. Animals use tools. So what's the difference? And then someone said, animals don't pray. And it's true. I've never seen my dog praying, right? My dog doesn't rush out the door in the morning. He doesn't look up into the skies, ponder the creator, say thank you. No, all he does is want to rush out and have a wee. That's all he's thinking about, right? He's not pondering the creator. Now, some people have said that they've caught their dogs praying, uh, like this one. Very cute. But I want to tell you guys, that dog is a hypocrite. He's not praying to anyone. He just wants to be seen. And if any of you have had a dog, you will know that what he really wants is just to get on that bed. He'll do anything to do it. He'll even fake praying just to make sure it happens. But you know what? There's something in the human heart that actually we, we look at creation. We look at the world and we know that there is something greater than ourselves. And so we pray. And if you ask most people, at some point in their lives, they have prayed. Usually, when they're in trouble, they will try and reach out. But they look at their lives and they go, these, these, these problems that I just cannot solve. 
And they look at the world and they look at the human race and they go, there are problems they just can't solve. So I've got, there must be something else I can appeal to. But the truth is most people believe that prayer is more a case of luck than it is faith. We kind of think that prayer is a bit like a fortune wheel, right? And uh, it's, a, it's a bit of chance and luck if yours comes up, right? They kind of think of God as, the, as this kind of heavenly game show host. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the wheel of prayer. Please send up your prayers. I will spin the wheel. And oh, there's John Smith. Your prayer is answered. Sorry for the rest of you. So we kind of look at it like that, right? We think maybe, well, maybe if I, I do these like long prayers and I just pray these long-winded things, then maybe it increases my chance of God hearing me. And you know, maybe if I use some fancy words, some big Christian words, then it's kind of like buying more tickets in a raffle. Maybe there's more chance of being heard. And what happens if I just get seen praying, right? Like, you know, I'll be seen as the holy one. People will look at me and then, you know, God must be impressed with that. And, you know, even if my prayers don't get answered, at least other people will think I'm amazing. And Jesus says to that situation, he says, when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, right? Don't stand there and love to be seen. Don't think that that's going to impress God and somehow improve your chances of being heard. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. Don't go through repeated prayers, repeat, 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 thinking that that somehow increases your chances of being heard. Now, if you think Christians are immune to this type of thinking about prayer, then I got this email a while back, um, and the subject line was, think prayer. And I thought, oh, that's pretty good. Let me read this one. So I clicked on it, and this is what it said. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will light your way. I thought, oh, so far, so good. That's pretty good. And then this came. This prayer has been sent to you for good luck. Oh, boy. It originally came from America. Now, I don't know, why does it always have to come from America? But it does, right? So it has been around the world nine times. The luck has been sent to you. Lucky me, right? You are to receive good luck within four days after receiving this email. This is no joke. I love how they put that in, right? This is no joke. Uh, you will receive it in the mail. They don't even have my, my physical address, so how, how am I going to get it? But anyway, they're going to send it to me. Forward this email to 20 friends you think need good luck. Please do not send any money. I wasn't planning on to, but do not keep this email to yourself. It must be forwarded within 96 hours. A U.S. officer received $7,000. One man received $60,000, but lost it because he broke the chain. Boo-hoo. While in the Philippines, General W, I, I don't know, anyone know who General W is? But anyway, General W lost his life six days after receiving this email and failing to forward it. However, before his death, he received $775,000, which he had won and which he had to leave behind. Now, obvious to say, guys, that is complete and utter rubbish. But there's part of us that goes, well, you know, prayer's a little bit chancy. You know, maybe it's worth trying. What, what's the big deal if I just forward it to 20 friends? Maybe, maybe these, these things will 
kind of happened. Prayer might work. I'm not so sure about it. But you know, as followers of Jesus, prayer is not chance. It's not luck. It's not fortune. It's faith. It's faith in a personal God, in a God that can be known and wants to be known. You notice when when Jesus taught you, he said, start with our Father, right? Only Jesus ever used the term my Father. But when he talks to us, he says, think of it as our Father. You see, He's clearly saying here that prayer is not this this luck element that you're entering into a wheel of fortune. No, it's a family thing. It is about, it's a family matter. You are approaching the Father. You know, private prayer is not as private as we think. When we close that door to pray, you're actually there with a bit of a crowd. At the very least, you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And then often you'll find that prayer is a battle. It's a struggle. Has anyone else found that? It's a struggle, right? And that's when our enemy, the devil, gets involved. You see, he doesn't like you having a relationship with the Father. So he'll resist, he'll distract, he'll disturb prayer. Ephesians 6 tells us that that prayer is a wrestle. And you don't often wrestle yourself, right? You don't grab yourself and throw yourself to the ground unless you always want to win. You usually wrestle someone else. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, you are wrestling not against flesh and blood, right? Not against people, but against principalities and power. There is the struggle that's going on in prayer. But prayer isn't just about yourself. There are others involved. So Jesus intentionally uses these words, our Father and us, give us, lead us. You know, uh, my kids will often come and ask me for something. And as, as a dad, you kind of like that, right? And especially my little girl in my household, she'll come and ask, can I have a chocolate, which is, which is common practice. And I usually say yes, because I get one for myself in the process, right? But occasionally, every once in a while, she'll say, can I have one for my brother too? And that really warms my heart. Because she's not just thinking about herself, she's thinking about her family, she's thinking about others. And so when Jesus says this, he's just saying, prayer is not just for you. And when you come in prayer and you have maybe a need, a need of provision, of guidance, of protection, don't think that you are the only one in the church family that needs that. And what he's saying here is when you have that need, pray for yourself, but pray for others with the same need. So maybe you're holding on to unforgiveness, you've been hurt. And you go to God in prayer and you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this unforgiveness. Please help me. Lord, I know that there are others in the church family who are also struggling with this. Please help them. See, that touches God's heart. It's not just about you and him. It's about this family that you're bringing before him. And that's precious to him.
You know, there's this, also this idea that if we're simply talking to God and asking for things, that that's very much sort of primary prayer, right? That's lower prayer. And that once you've kind of stopped talking and you stopped asking, you've, you've somehow moved up into this higher plane of prayer. See, this is where I, I believe the Christian mystics got this upside down. They thought that talking to God and asking Him for things was a very low form of prayer. But if you go through everything that Jesus said on prayer, 95% of it, 95% of it is about talking to him and asking him for things. What Jesus is saying here is prayer is talking and asking. Look at this prayer that, that he gives here to his disciples. It sounds very much like asking. Listen to this. Give us. That sounds like asking, right? Give us our daily bread. Forgive us. That sounds like asking. So that we can forgive our debtors. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask, ask, ask. Right? We need to realize this. As simple as it sounds, talking to God about our needs and His desires is Prayer. It's not a lower form of prayer. It's not saying fancy words and long prayers. It's just talking to him about your needs and his desires. That is prayer. Now, it is important that prayer begins with praise, right? Jesus said here, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, I once heard a, a Sunday school story where uh, one of the little kids in Sunday school was convinced that God's name was Harold. And the Sunday school teacher was a little bit concerned, like, where did you get that from? I'm pretty sure his name's Jesus. And he said, no, no, it's in the Bible. It's like, well, what do you mean? Where do you find the Bible? He says, our Father, which is in heaven, Harold be your name. So, but it doesn't mean that, right? Only Harold Kahn would appreciate that. But it's not, doesn't mean that. Hallowed means let your name be kept holy. Let your name be treated with reverence, right? It is right to begin with praise. The Bible tells us we enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. We praise what we worship, right? Worship means to give your worth to something. It is, it is worth your praise, so you praise it. You think about those footy stars, they kick a ball through two poles, and we praise them. Well done for kicking the ball. And we clap them, right? We give them praise. How much more do we look at God the Father who created everything and we want to praise Him? We want to praise Him. And our greatest desire is that, is that our lives should reflect Him, should reflect His name. There should be something in us that, that our lives want to point to Him. That when people look at us, they go, Lord, I want people to see your mercy. I want them to see your grace. I want them to see your holiness. I want them to see your forgiveness when they look at our lives. So, Lord, I'm going to praise you today. And I pray that as people see my life, that they will see you. That we as a church body will keep your name holy. That we will reverence your name. Lord, help us as a family to do that. That is the right place to start. But if we think 
that if we only, we only have a time of praise and we don't ask for anything, that somehow God must be more pleased with that. But guys, he's a, he's a father. He loves us to express our needs, right? Jesus is basically saying here, guys, go to him and tell him what your needs are. He loves to hear. Uh, there was a story of a world-famous violinist, well-known well throughout the world. And his daughter also wanted to play the, the violin, but she was taught by someone who wasn't nearly as good as her father. And so someone went to him one day and said, like, why, why didn't you teach your own daughter? Right? You, have, you are world-famous. Why, why didn't you teach her? And he said this very sad thing. He said, because she didn't, ask. She didn't ask. Guys, God is sometimes just waiting for us to come to him and saying, please, could you help me? But I love it when my kids come to me and, and they put their arms around me and they give me a kiss and they tell them that they love me. But you know, I love it as much when they come to me and they say, hey, could you, could you help me with this? Could you teach me this? That warms my heart. Guys, I think how many things do we miss because we simply don't ask? We don't ask. You see, our heart attitude in prayer shouldn't be one where we like think of prayer, oh, all right, I've got to do this. I've got to say long prayers. I've got to say the right words. I've, I've got to praise all the time. I've got to have this right formula. When that happens, prayer just becomes hard. It becomes pointless. We lose desire. We feel guilty when we don't do it. And prayer is just a problem to us. How we should view it is that prayer is a privilege. It is a privilege. Yes, there are problems. There are difficulties. Prayer is a struggle. But when we look at it, we think of the sheer privilege of coming before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of everything, and we can talk to Him. What a privilege that He listens to us. Years ago, I had the, the privilege of, of traveling to, to Germany. And uh, I think we were in Munich, and I was waiting by the carousel, you know, where your bags come out. And I couldn't, my bag just wasn't coming out. And I was, people were waiting for me, and I was looking for my bag, looking for my bag. Uh, and I was so focused on looking at this bag, and I kind of, eventually I saw it. And there was a man standing next to me, and I kind of reached over him, and I grabbed my bag, and I pulled it up. And then I looked up, and it was Boris Becker. I think that means nothing, you know, Okay, Boris Becker in my day was like this, this world-famous tennis player. And I looked at him and I said, you're Boris Becker. I mean, as if he didn't know. Right? Thanks, thanks for pointing that. I had no idea this morning. And then this weird thing happened is I just froze. I just was staring at him, and he's quite tall, and he got embarrassed that I was staring at him, and we just kind of like both walked away from each other. But now what happens if Boris had turned to me and go, oh, what's, what's your name? 
And he goes, well, you know, I've just arrived back. Would you like to grab lunch together? And we can go and we can chat and we can talk about tennis and all that. And, you know, if you want, Munich's my hometown, so you may as well come back and you can look at some of my tem tennis memorabilia. And, hey, if you want anything, just ask. I've got so much stuff. You're welcome to take stuff. That would be an awesome story, right? I'd be here standing telling you today about the time I had lunch with Boris Becker and he gave me all this stuff. Guys, Boris Becker doesn't have a millionth of the resources that God has. And let's be honest, right? Boris is nothing compared to God Almighty. Prayer is a privilege, right? It should blow our minds that all we need to say is, Father, and we have his ear. He's listening to me. He's listening to you. The creator of the heavens and the earth listens to you. You know, the difficulty is over time we become weary and we, we want a method in prayer, right? We, we develop these rituals and, and these ruts and it doesn't develop a relationship. One of the principles in prayer, the chief principle in prayer, is that it's about a relationship. You know, this might surprise you, but the Bible doesn't say, listen, dedicate 30 minutes of, of every day, preferably in the morning, for prayer. Right? And then you're off the hook for the rest of the day. You've done your duty, tick the box, you don't have to do it for the rest of the day. What the Bible does say is pray at all times. Pray at all times. Imagine I said to my wife, honey, listen, because I love you, I'm going to set aside Wednesday nights, 7.30 to 8 to talk to you. Yes. And because I really love you, I'm also going to set aside Saturday morning, 8 to 8.30, and you can talk to me then. How do you think that would fly in my house? It doesn't develop a relationship, Right? Yes, there are times you do want focused times where you're talking about a specific thing. Maybe on a date night, maybe time or a thing, where you do need to just have the two of you and an extended time talking together and knowing one another. But most of the time, our, our conversation flows, right? Our relationship flows. She can call, I can call her at any time. She can call me at any time and get my voicemail. But we have this conversation. You guys just got that, didn't you? Some of you. Okay. Yes. We have this, this thing. Sometimes we're in the same house and we, we're always talking back and forth. Pray at all times. You see, prayer is a privilege rather than a problem when we realize, most importantly, that God is personal. He is someone, not something. Have you ever noticed how, how people have these euphemisms for God, right? You ask them, and they'll say, oh, he's the, he's the man upstairs, or, or the big guy, or he's the supreme being. You know, some have, have, have said that God is a, a, a force or a power. If that's the case, you might as well pray to an electric socket, right? There's power in there, but it's just a thing. It's not someone. You see, before I pray, I must believe that God is there and that he's someone. He's not something. And God is so much more than just personal. He's our 
Father. You see, faith has to have context. You have to have faith in something. So here's a question. When you pray, what do you have faith in? See, my faith is not that God is just someone, but that he's our Father, that he relates to me as a Father. And you know what? That concept is so specific to Christian prayer. It is in no other religion, it is no other religious writing that we relate to God as Father. When, when Jesus' disciples heard Jesus praying, it, it blew their minds. Now these were Jewish men who were raised in prayer. They knew how to pray. They had heard it all before. But when they saw Jesus praying, they like, this is something so different. And when Jesus had finished, they went to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they weren't saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. But what they were asking him is, Lord, you teach us to talk to God like you do. Because there's something so special there. And Jesus said, yes. Yes, I can teach you. When you pray, say, Abba. Or Abba, right? It's a Hebrew word. Now, it's actually quite a difficult word to translate into English because it, it, it kind of communicates this incredible intimacy. You know, kind of like the English words daddy or papa, but it's not childish. It's just intimate. And Jesus says to these guys, no, when you pray, that's how you start off. And now this would have blown their minds. It would have actually, it, I'm sure you would have just seen bits of brain flying all over the room because it would have blown their minds. The Jews couldn't relate to God as a father. In fact, they were, they were so afraid of taking God's name in vain that they wouldn't even pronounce his name, right? And still today, if you go to Israel, the rabbis won't pronounce the name of the Lord. They won't say Yahweh, right? Because they are so afraid of taking his name in vain. You read the newspapers, the Jerusalem Post and stuff, and whenever they came, comes to the word God or Lord, they will always kind of use big G, dash D, because they're so afraid of taking God's name in vain because of their history. And into that very context of fear of God, Jesus says, you know what? You start off by saying, Dad, Dad. See, one of... The principles of prayer is that he's our father. He is our father. And you have to be somebody's child to call them father. There are only two people in the world that call me dad. And those are my kids. It's because we have this special relationship. We relate in a different way to everyone else. Uh, there was a story of a soldier who fought in the Union Army in the American Civil War. And both his father and his brother had been killed in, in the war, and he was desperately needed back on the family farm to help his elderly mother and his sister with the spring planting on the farm. And he needed an exemption from the fighting, and the only way he could get that was from the president himself. So... He traveled all the way to Washington, D.C., and he went right up to the White House, 
And he walks up to the White House, and of course the guards just stop him, right? They go like, yeah, sorry, you can't go. And he goes, I, I need to see the president. He's the only one who can help me. And they're like, you can't just arrive and expect to see the president. It doesn't work that way. You just get back to fighting. He goes like, no, you don't understand. He's the only one who can help me. And they said, no, listen, just, just go away. And this, this man was so dejected, he went and he found a park bench and he was just crying and weeping. And this little boy walked past him and went up to him and said, Mr. Hay, what's, why do you look so sad? Why are you so unhappy? And he, and he just pours out his heart to this little boy. He tells him, well, my, my father and my brother have both been killed in the war and, and now my elderly mother and my sister desperately need me back on the farm for planting and the president is the only one who can help me. And this little boy grabs him by the hand and says, come with me. And he takes him around to the back of the White House. And the guards see him, and they just step out of the way, and they open the doors for him, and they walk inside. And then they walk past the, all the generals standing there, and then they walk past the government officials, and they walk right up to the president's office. And this little boy doesn't even knock on the door. He just opens the door and goes straight in. And standing there is Abraham Lincoln with his secretary of state looking over some of the battle plans. And Abraham Lincoln turns around and he says to this little boy, Tad, how can I help you? Because Tad was his son. It was his son. And Tad says, Dad, you need to listen to this man. Guys, when we relate to God as a father in prayer, we have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? We have this relationship that he welcomes us in. And he wants to hear. He wants to help. He wants to guide. He wants to hear what you're going through. And you know the best part is? He's all powerful to help. He's all powerful to help you. He's way more powerful than any president. Can you see what a privilege prayer is? And when we neglect it, and when we see it only as a problem or something that we're guilted into doing, we just miss the sheer privilege of prayer. You know, as a dad, when my kids ask me for stuff and I respond to them, every time I respond, I'm reminding them, you are my child. You are my child. I listen to you. I care for you. Now, the truth is, sometimes kids do ask for silly stuff, right? Uh, my son, when he was nine, came home, and he said to me, Dad, I want a smartphone. And I said, that's a dumb question. You can't have a smartphone, right? He's nine years old. Now, I'm not being a killjoy dad. What I am doing is because I love him and I, and I protect him and I think it's harmful for a nine-year-old to have their own smartphone. Right now, I'm going to say no. And I asked him, why do, you, why do you want a smartphone? And this is what he said, because I need it, because I need it. And I had to say to him, no, you don't need it, right? You don't need it. You don't need it right now. 
You see, sometimes as, as our heavenly father, he needs to say no. And maybe wait. Yeah, there, there will come a time when my son can get his own smartphone. When he turns 30, no problem at all, he can get his own smartphone. But you know, guys, our heavenly father says to us sometimes, no, or wait, or yes. And he does it because he knows way much more than we do. You know, psychologists will tell us that we have to grow up and mature. In order to do that, we need to get rid of our father fixations. But that's not true. To grow up in Christ means that we, we no longer look to our earthly father, but we look to our heavenly father. We look to him, right? To grow up is not to become independent and feel like we don't need anything. Actually, to grow up is to become like a little child who takes their hand, their little hand, and puts it into their father's hand, which is a much bigger hand, the hand of God. And we say, Dad, will you lead me? Dad, I need you. What a privilege prayer is. You know, one of the principles with prayer, just as we begin, it isn't this fancy formula, it isn't repeated prayers, it isn't fancy words. It's simply coming and saying, God, I believe that you are personal, that you want to know me as your child, that you are almighty God, the creator of the heavens and earth, and yet, and yet you are a father to me, that I know that I, I, I need things, and I trust you that you know best, not me, and that you will give me what I really need. Guys, so this week, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, know that you come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has his ear towards you. He is listening to you. And the sheer privilege of coming to his presence, he delights in that and he delights in you. I would like to finish by praying for all of you. So could we please stand? And let us pray. Lord God Almighty, Father, Abba, Lord, so many times we can feel so grown up and so independent that we just don't need you. And Lord, right now we just realize that we are little children and we do need you. Lord, we ask in faith that you will be with us this week, that you will watch over us, that you will look after us that you will see us through, that you will give us the strength and the courage that we need. Lord, and when we have a particular need, we know that you will meet it because you love us. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to talk to you at any time and in any place with any need, all because your son, Jesus made us his brothers and sisters and therefore gives us permission to call you 
our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.